due to adult content. Parental discretion is advised. To begin. To begin. Are you watching closely? How to start? I just, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? In life itself, a memoir, Roger E. begins. I was born inside the movie of my life. I was born a poor black child. The visuals were before me. I was born in it, molded by it. The audio surrounded me. The plot unfolded inevitably, but not necessarily. I don't remember how I got into the movie, but it continues to entertain me. First, the frames flicker without connection. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. Here's the deal. Just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, no, no. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Welcome to Cock and Bull Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. A podcast in which, eventually, ostensibly, at some point, we will be talking about the 2005 film Tristram Shandy, a cock and bull story, one minute at a time. Good lord, what is this story all about? Cock and a bull story. Here's your host, me, Robert Black. Hmm. I had a thing I wanted to read from a Roger Ebert's book, Your Movie Sucks, but it depended on whether or not I could watch a certain film. It's called Chaos from 2005. If you're looking it up, not that chaos, the other one. Two movies, same title, same year. Uh, apparently it isn't streaming. He starts his book with these, uh, three reviews. It was Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, whatever the second one is called. And then gets a letter in response from Rob Schneider. And then watches Chaos, reviews it, gets a letter in response from the director, reviews it again, sort of. And then reviews Brown Bunny. Gets a letter from star, writer, director, reviews it again. He's sort of setting the stage for what happens when he doesn't like things. You know, people take issue with it. And I was going to read that and watch Chaos and give you sort of my review. It's a weird counterpoint, and I don't know why. No one's going to watch Chaos. It's some crappy horror film from 2005. Instead, on my screen right now is Minute 33 of Tristram Shandy, a cock and bull story. But it visuals the minute begins because it is Tristram in their big giant fake womb. If you've ever looked up images from the movie, you'll see this one. And if you saw the movie, you'd remember this one. I may push play. I might talk about Tristram Shandy, although not really. But it's an interesting moment because it's when he's dressed in regular clothes inside the womb and they have a window so that he can talk to the camera. It's the setup for the scene. And I don't know if I'm going to get it, but there's a line in there. I think it's in the trailer. We're talking about that. They want realism. And he's like, uh, realism? I'm a grown man in a womb. 
Going out to kick and stretch. That's what feet I yeah, do. Not, not when they're full term. He wants realism. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a grown man talking to the camera in a womb. Let's press play. He wants out. And they gotta lift him. He's upside down, so they gotta lift him out by a crane kind of thing. And unhook him from a little harness. Very simple. And they get him out under like a catwalk, but we have other business, don't we? It's time for a little where are we now in the bracket kind of thing. The interlude, I believe is how I title them. <sighs> See, the thing is, never mind the bracket. Ex Machina is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. I love good science fiction. Bad science fiction is lame. Science fiction that's just a veneer. You know, when people call Star Wars science fiction, because it's got spaceships, that doesn't make it science fiction. Science fiction, it's got to be about ideas. It's got to be about sort of the future of humanity, as it were. The effect of technology or change or even cultural advancements on the way we think, the way we behave, the way we do, the way we be. Ex Machina is... When I wrote about Ex Machina on my blog, it got really complicated. There were these levels. Three levels of programming. The uh, level of programming the writer, director... Alex Garland puts on the viewer. The level of programming that Nathan puts on Caleb and on Eva and the, her predecessors. And then because the way the film plays, the sort of metaphor, the way it plays, not just on what we're going to do with artificial intelligence, but what we do to each other now. The third level of programming is the programming we put on each other that society puts on us, especially along gender lines. And Ex Machina comes out. I'm in the middle of grad school, right? Just a quick correction. That's technically wrong. I had not yet started grad school. But maybe the memory of the timing is more important than the reality. Communication studies major. Gender roles. Programming. It's the cybernetic side of communication. That's stuff I love. And you get this great little triangle. I mean, there's four characters really, but unfortunately Kyoko doesn't say anything and doesn't do much. So it's Nathan, Caleb, and Eva. Great actors, great dramatic tension between the three. And stuff to debate. Is Caleb also an AI? Does it matter? Where does the line blur? Watching him again recently to talk about here, I realize I'm not sure there's any particular flaws in the film. Complaints are hard to come by. That's not my standard for what makes my favorite. But it helps. The thing is, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is my favorite film. And I'll tell you why. It's a bit of the same, actually. It's a love story that feels real because it's twisted into such an unreal form. Another science fiction. A little bit more than a veneer. More like a magical reality, a surreal element. So relationship forms backward. And we see this idea that if you go back far enough, you get to the point where you were happy together. Of course you're going to want to keep it. Why wouldn't you want to keep it? <laughs> but then you got the movie. The movie is this brilliant layering of past and present. And this invented present in Joel's head as he tries to undo what has been done. Or what is being done. To keep Clementine, even though he knows it will end badly. He knows it's worth erasing, as it were. The original screenplay, the ending was that they would still be erasing each other over and over as they got older. I think the open-ended nature of the film is better. 
We don't need to know that they keep doing it. We just need to know that they keep trying. Knowing things will go bad, knowing that they'll get sick of things that the other does. They try again because that's better. And the film plays with time and space, great visuals, metaphors, dreamlike substance of memory. Vex Machina is about programming. Eternal Sunshine is about the way we program ourselves through memory. The memories we choose to think about are the memories that shape us. SFW is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. It's not as great a film as so many of the other ones in this bracket, the ones that remain. The thing about SFW is it's almost deliberately lacking in some of its qualities because it's this anarchic, chaotic energy surging through it. Cliff's Bab is a force. SFW, so fucking what? It's the attitude he takes up. Early in the film, you might suspect that that just became his thing while he was in the hostage situation. But when you see the chaos of his life, that he and his friend so easily slip into destroying things in his room while punk rock plays, then maybe SFW was always his thing. This is a 90s film, through and through. I think the book may have actually come out in the 80s, or maybe the very beginning of the 90s. For me, there's an extra connection in Danny Rubin being the person who adapted it. He threw in a Phil Connors and his wife Rita. It's just this extra little thing that isn't from the book, but it intrigues me because if Phil Connors and Rita can become a normal old conservative couple, on the one hand, there's no hope for any of us, but on the other hand, there's hope for us all. No matter how big a thing happens to you, good or bad, you can get around it and become something else. You don't have to be what things make you. It's the counter to Ex Machina, maybe. Held hostage for a month? So fucking what? You do you. It's not the kind of movie I should like at my age. But I saw it when I was, you know, the age of the characters. And it sits in the back of my head as this strangely lovely idea of destructive behavior. The cult of personality, the destruction of the individual for the sake of what people want you to be and for the sake of what you think society wants you to be. So that's what I like in a movie. It makes you think, makes you question. Ruby Sparks is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. There's a theme running here. More of that programming. The literal one is that Ruby is programmed by writing. She's a fictional construct. But also, she's not. She's just the girl he meets. And she fills a role. And when that role gets out of hand, when she's not what he thinks she should be, he wants to change her. And the whole point is that you don't do that. But you do do that. It's not that you should or shouldn't. It's that you're going to. You're going to try to keep someone in the bounds that they were in when you met them, when you got together. When people need to grow, people need to change. And if you're lucky, you change and you grow together. In the end, he meets Ruby again. She doesn't remember him. Maybe that's hopeful. Maybe it just means they're going to go through the whole thing all over again, like Joel and Clementine. The movie plays it well. Plays it for a few laughs. Plays it for that horribly tragic climax where he makes Ruby perform. And she knows she's performing. She knows she's doing what he writes. And she doesn't have a choice. That's the end of the relationship. Because what else is there? Life is a House is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. Come to the end of all the rest of these. 
face your mortality. And if you haven't figured it out yet, you got to figure out who you are. you got to figure out how to be the person you want to be. I'm not that old yet. Sometimes I feel it. And I think lately, I am much more the person I want to be than I used to be. Life's house is a great little obvious metaphor. The last thing you do is construct a house that you give to your son for him to do with as he pleases. Because that's how it works. It doesn't have to be son. In this case, it's a son. Because it's easier. It doesn't even have to be your biological child. It can be anything. It can be anyone. You give what you can to the world around you. Make it a better place. If that's not your goal, you're doing it wrong. Mother is my favorite film. And I'll tell you why. This one's easy. This one's bigger. This one shouldn't get me leaning into being emotional. Uh, I grew up in a strict religious environment that I often refer to as a cult. And I grew out of it. Became an atheist, you know. Or, no, pronounced myself an atheist. Guess technically I was an atheist all along. I just didn't realize it. The thing about Mother is, gives us this metaphor for all of human history, but specifically all of Christian history. The climax of the film, you get this half-hour segment of chaos and all of these versions of zealotry and religious persecution and religious proclamation. People worshipping, people fighting, people killing, people destroying, people living, breeding, good, bad, everything that comes from having strong beliefs about the world. It wraps it up in this poetic little package and destroys it. That's what I want from a movie. Give me all of history in a nutshell. Then smash that shell. See what happens. Make me think. Make me marvel. Make me sit there in awe in the theater. Or at home. And wish that I could do something like this. That's why I watch these things. To make my world better. Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cock Bull Minute. Find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a Mandalorian. Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of a coward. The, uh, it's a past stuff that dreams are made of. Cut. That's a wrap. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You're still here? You just don't turn it off! It's over. Go home. Go.